Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all are having a good Thursday. Um, starting out and we are going into a great weekend we have worship night coming up this sunday night um, at both locations and so we're definitely looking forward to that because you know our church is a church that loves to be worshiping uh and so we have a good time with that um we had a great time at friends and family last weekend uh so many uh, amazing things going on and families just uh coming out and really enjoying their time, um, you know, really building that community. And so it was a good time. But uh, hey, today we are in Leviticus 16, Leviticus 16, uh, jumping back there. I know you guys have been enjoying uh, Hebrews and, uh, you know, I'm talking about uh, Melchizedek yesterday and all sorts of uh, different parts, but here we're going to go back to the Day of Atonement uh, written um, by God to Moses, handed down to Aaron what he should be doing once a day. I want us to really be putting on our New Testament hat, though, as we read this. Uh, as we read through Leviticus 16 today and talk about it, I want you to think about the um, the persecution of Jesus. I want you to think about um, the trial of Jesus before Pontius Pilate. I want you to think about some of the things that Jesus did in his ministry as well. And I want you to think about all of the events that went through his death uh, and burial. Uh, all of these things really, really point to uh, a, a completion of the Day of Atonement. In Jesus Christ. And so that's really the focus and the lens I want you guys to really have with what is being talked about here in Leviticus 16. But let's pray and let's get into the word and see what we have uh, to really point to uh, and what God is talking to us about today in his word. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you are doing in our hearts and our lives. We um, we thank you that we are able to gather here on this platform in the morning. We, uh, we thank you for all that you are doing all the time. You are always working even when we don't think it or feel it or see it, but we know that you are. Um, Lord, we just thank you for that. We just pray that you just speak to us today. Show us what you want to show us uh, and enlighten our minds, open our hearts uh, to you and what your son Jesus has done for us in fulfilling this law. Lord, I surrender myself to you, uh, that this word be your word and not my own. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. All right. Good morning. Let's go. Leviticus 16, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and there's a couple phrases in here uh, as we go through it that just really, really stick out into some things. 
um, that point to us definitely in the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It, it really works. Uh, all right, verse one, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him. The Lord said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there. And I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and the linen undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are sacred garments. So he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. When you take notice to that, he must bathe himself in water before he puts it on. This is mentioned multiple times in this chapter um, for different areas. Aaron, verse 5 now. Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Verse 6, Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast the sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Aziel. Aaron will then present a sin offering, the goat, <clears throat> present as a sin offering, the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Aziel, in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. Verse 11, Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. After he is slaughtered, uh, the bull as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powdered incense and will carry the burner and the incense between uh, the inner curtain or behind the inner curtain, excuse me. There is the Lord's there in the Lord's presence. He will put the incense on the burning coals so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. Then he must take some of the blood of the bull, dip his fingers in it, and sprinkle it on the east side, the right side, of the atonement cover. He must sprinkle blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. 
then Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people and carry its blood between or behind. I don't know why I keep saying between. Uh, its blood behind the inner curtain. There he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover and in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood. Though this process he will purify uh, the most holy place, and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. No one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. No one may enter into uh, until no one may enter until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. Then Aaron will come out to purify the altar that stands before the Lord. He will do this by taking some of the blood from the bull and the goat and putting it on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times over the altar in this way. He will cleanse it from Israel's defilement and make it holy. When Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place and the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will lay before <clears throat> he will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man especially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness as the goat goes into the wilderness. It will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. When Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he was wearing when he entered the most holy place, and he must leave the garments there. Then he must bathe himself with water in a sacred place, Put on his regular garments and go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself and a burnt offering for the people. Through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. He must then burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man chosen to drive the scapegoat into the wilderness of Aziel must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Then he may return to the camp. Verse 27. The bull and the goat presented as sin offerings, whose blood Aaron takes into the most holy place for the purification ceremony, will be carried outside the camp. The animal's hides, internal organs, and dung are all to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. On the 10th day of the appointed month in early autumn, you must deny yourselves. Hmm. Neither native-born Israelites nor foreign living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. On that day, 
<clears throat> offerings or purification will be made for you and you will be purified in the Lord's presence from all your sins. It will be a Sabbath day to <clears throat> of complete rest for you and you must deny yourselves. This is a permanent law for you. In future generations, the purification ceremony will be performed by the priest who has been anointed and ordained to serve as high priest in place of his ancestor Aaron. He will put on the holy linen garments and purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priests, and the entire congregation. This is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once every year. Moses followed all of these instructions exactly as the Lord had commanded him. The word of the Lord. Woo, we got a lot going on in, uh, in this chapter. And I, I want to kind of go back to right at the very beginning, ver the very first verse, um, where we kind of revisit uh, Aaron's two sons that came with a unholy, uh, a wrong type of fire uh, before the Lord and were taken and instantly consumed in fire um, from the Lord. You know, as we talked about that uh, before, where these two sons came in and did that, um, the same fire just earlier that everyone was celebrating with the Lord and seeing that the Lord coming in a cloud of fire over uh, the tabernacle and all that his glory, people were celebrating the Lord's same holy fire consumed these two that did not come. Uh, properly to the Lord. So in our own context, and I really kind of, this question jumped out at me, you know, and we talk about our approach to God. How do we come to God as we are now in our New Testament context in that uh, we don't have to go get specific hot gold coals, uh, a specific hot fire from the altar itself uh, because we don't have an altar anymore. We don't have a, uh, you know, an altar with four horns and, and uh, burning um, sacrifices to the Lord anymore. That's not what we do. But how is that? And the question I have for you is, is the fire in your hearts a fire that's for his holiness? Is the fire that's in your hearts when you come to him in prayer, when you come to him in your secret place, when you come to him and want to read and understand his words, are you coming to him with a fire for him? Or are you angry with him? Or is it coming with a fire of your own pride? Is it coming for a fire of wanting your own things that God is supposed to be some genie to help you? Or are you here for him? Are you here for his will? Are you here for his correction? Are you here for his word over your life? Or are you just thinking that he's supposed to be a genie for what you want and your wishes? That's the question. What kind of fire in your heart 
are you coming to God with? And we don't see that people get um, just taken by the Lord's fire when they pray a, a selfish prayer. But we do see that God still says no to prayers. God still says no to our wishes. God still says no to some of our fleshly desires and things of that nature. God just says no. It's not going to happen. And quite honestly, uh, we see that other events sometimes happen in people's lives that God gets you on that right track. God does something to get you to understand that what you want isn't necessarily the best for you. What I have for you is a way to prosper you, is a way to protect you, and is a way for you to succeed very well in the kingdom of God. We see that God is taking care of us, and sometimes the best thing that God can do to take care of us, watch over us, and actually bless us is to tell us no. Is to tell us no. We do this all the time. Parents, we understand the uh, the love of the word no uh, in such a good way that, hey, I'm sorry, kids, you can't go play by the bridge. You'll fall off. You know, you can't go, um, hey, you have to stop eating so much of the candy. All right. And, and we all know the dad tax, right? Where's where's my dad's out there? All the dad tax who went through the candy and made sure that they weren't tampered with. And really all it is is like the... Uh, uh, your favorite candy is, was the ones that were tampered with. So, you know, we had to get rid of those uh, in our own way. Um, but we understand that God's no isn't harmful. It's actually a blessing. We may not understand it initially, but just as the word says, may we not lean on our own understanding. And so we need to make sure that the fire in us is coming for him. The fire in us is coming for his goodness and his will and his blessing and his way that he wants us to operate in. And that's when we really start molding together between our relationship with ourselves and Jesus. When we have that personal and daily time with him is actually he will give you the desires of your heart. As it says in, in the New Testament, like, I will give you the desires of your heart. And I talked about this before is like, it's not that I'm going to give you whatever your heart desires is that I'm going to give you the desires you should have in your heart. With the, I need you to desire this. I'm going to put it in your heart. I need you to desire to care for the poor. I'm going to put that in your heart. I need you to have the desire to care for my house. I'm going to put that in your heart. I need you to have the desire to care for spreading my message so people can be saved. I'm going to put that in your heart. I'm going to give it to you. It's like issuing it to you. It's like, it's, I, so when I was in the army, I, I needed stuff to be given to me so I can be an effective soldier, so I can be uh, effective uh, in combat. And so in our combat of war, that I needed to be given the items for me to be effective. And so God is going to give you the items to be effective in your heart. 
That's what this is all about. And the more we spend time with him, the more that we have a relationship with him, the more that we are able to sacrifice and deny ourselves as it talked at the end of this chapter and having that Sabbath day after the day of atonement here and denying our, we must deny ourselves. The idea of denying ourselves is always from the beginning that we should be trying to understand what God wants to do and not our own selfish ways. The Sabbath is also a complete day of rest for you because it's a blessing. It's not a day to make you not productive. It's not a day to not make you um, get things done and, and hold you back. It's a day so you can rest. So there was a great story of uh, two guys that were... Um, they were in the, um, they were, they're chopping wood uh, and they're chopping down trees out and they're, they're lumberjacks. And these two lumberjacks, they start at the exact same time every day and they stop at the exact same time every day. And they actually, their production of work is actually the same. Um, but one guy at the end of his day just says, man, I've worked all day all day long, I'm so beat tired. And the other guy that says, well, I worked all day too. And he goes, but no, you didn't. You went away for an hour around lunchtime. I don't know where you went. And then you came back, but you still got just as much done as me in the day. But yet you took an hour for yourself. What happened? Why are you still able to produce as much but you still took an hour for yourself. You still took an hour to go do whatever it is you did. You weren't chopping down trees, but you still got as much done. And you seem more rested. And so the two uh, sat down. He goes, guess what I do? Is in the middle of the day, I take an hour, I go home, and I sharpen my axe. I sharpen my axe. And so the other guy is just sitting there with not as sharp of an axe, still having to work all day, more hours, technically, is more tired at the end of the day because he didn't sharpen his axe. When we spend time with the Lord, when we have a Sabbath day of rest, when we are in community with our Savior, he is sharpening our axe. He is sharpening our mind and our heart. He is with us so that we can be just as productive as anybody that works through the Sabbath but doesn't sharpen their axe. We also see that a lot of times, a lot of people were getting bathed a lot. And in here, this wasn't just like water poured over you. This was complete submersion. They would go and in a specific tub or bathtub, they would completely submerge and wash themselves. We see that Aaron did it. We see it that uh, he actually did it a couple of times. And then he, uh, in addition, the guy that had to take the scapegoat to the wilderness had to be washed as well. 
Now, not only was this partially because Aaron's dealing with animal blood and all of this other, and, uh, and, you know, it's literally a hygienic thing that the Lord instituted for these guys to take care of them, but it's also representative of baptism. It's representing that we are washing away the sins over us. We're washing away others' sins in which we're having to deal with them. We're washing away all of that nastiness in our lives, making sure that we are pure. And of course, in our New Testament context, we see that baptism, we rise to new eternal life. Here, this type of cleansing and baptism in a way is a temporal thing. It's only for so long. It's only good for a certain amount of time until you need it again. But because of our high priest, because of his perfect atonement, because of his perfect sacrifice, one for all, we don't have to do baptism every so often, one time for all, because he sacrificed himself one time for all. And so we see that baptism is, we're baptizing now in the name of the Lord, washing away our sins, dying to ourselves, and rising to new life in our high priest, in our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus. But they have to keep doing this over and over. We see that this Day of Atonement is a once-a-year thing. It has to happen multiple times because even those that are performing it are still sinful individuals. Even those performing this for those of others are still sinful individuals and never can be perfect enough to make a sacrifice good enough for all mankind. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could do that. We see so much little nuggets in here that point to Jesus. I just point to him that we see that the linen sash and everything that uh, Aaron had to put on, these are not the priestly garments. This is getting rid of all of that. Uh, he has to come in a humble posture, and part of that is even the garments. These are just all white, very bland, basic garments. These aren't the elaborate ones of the priestly daily duties. This is a specialness where he's shedding all of that. These are primarily just white and and really bland. They're just they're not very special looking, but it's and it's to kind of strip away of that. Well, I'm wearing all these massive priestly garments with the 12 stones on my front and all of this stuff that really show everybody that I'm the high priest. And now he has to strip himself of all of that. Because God knows that even when I anoint you to do something so powerful and so high and a very specific calling that sometimes pride can still creep in. 
And so he once a year, he strips him of that. He, he says, no, come to me in these clean, humble garments. Wash yourselves. Wash yourself. Come clean to me. Aaron has to do this so much that he will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. This must happen before everyone else. This must happen before he can take care of the and be the high priest to take care of the sins of others. He must make right with himself first. This is a principle that a lot of us need to understand is that broken people have a really hard time fixing other broken people. Aaron has to be made right. Aaron has to be made clean. Aaron has to be set in a proper position mentally, physically, and spiritually so that he comes right to the Lord, and he's worthy enough to do an annual sacrifice for all of the people. To do one sacrifice for all of the people. Do I have to say that again? To do one sacrifice for all of the people. Jesus was baptized himself. Jesus was pure and blameless. Jesus wore humble clothing all throughout. Jesus was rejected like the scapegoat. Jesus was cast out into the wilderness like the scapegoat. Jesus was cast, had lots cast about him. Jesus was, it was the decision between him or Barabbas. Just like, which goat shall we pick? And which goat shall we sacrifice? Jesus actually was both. Jesus was actually both. Jesus was the one that was rejected, that was cast blame on, that was sin put on, but he was also the goat that was sacrificed. He was also the one to take on sin and death for all of us. The one, not just day of atonement, but the one act of atonement for eternity. Christ did that for us. We see also that it says no one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for purification for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. It's verse 17. Even here, it's pointing to Christ. It's pointing to that no one else is allowed into the tabernacle uh, this deep. No one else is allowed to even come into it at all, but no one else is allowed to go into the most holy place because nobody has been purified well enough to be in that presence and to do that duty. But Jesus did. 
we wonder why can't we do that anymore? Why can't we go behind the veil? You can. In your time with the Lord, in your time that now all of us are the temple. All of us are the place where God rests now. As we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you now have the Spirit of God in you. And so you are behind the veil. You are behind there. Because we are made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. We are made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. Because of the one sacrifice for all. And Jesus fulfilled all of this chapter so perfectly and in such an amazing way that even at the time, we remember the high priests themselves didn't understand, didn't get it, and rejected him. But it doesn't matter if man rejects him. It's that, that God accepted him that the Father approved of his sacrifice, that the, pro the Father approved of what he did. And our sins are washed away by his blood, by his sacrifice. So I challenge us today, what type of fire in your heart are you coming to God with? What type of attitude are you coming with? What kind of mentality or uh, ideology that you are coming to God with in your prayers? Is it temporal and short-sighted? Or is it, God, show me the way because I don't know. I surrender myself to you. I'm denying myself to you. Show me what I don't understand. Show me what I need to know and show me the way that glorifies you. Because you were that one sacrifice for all. Thank you for your blood that took our sins. So let's pray and let's have a great day. Lord, we just love you so much. We just see so perfectly how your son completely fulfilled this chapter right here. That Jesus is our not just one day, but eternal atonement for sins past, present, and future. That only he can do it because of his immense and perfect purity. And that, God, you loved us so much that you sent him to die for us. Lord, we just thank you for what you've done for all of us, that we can have eternal life with you, that we can have a relationship with you, that we, are, we can be behind the curtain. We can sit with you and communicate with you. Lord, may we come with questions more than demands. May we come with love and a willingness to understand more than wishes. 
Lord, may we just come to you wanting to learn to sit by your feet, lay our troubles down next to you and just listen and understand. And as Moses did at the very end, he followed these instructions exactly. And Lord, may we follow your instructions today. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. Everyone, have a great Thursday today. Uh, love you guys so much. And we can't wait to see you this Sunday. And also, again, worship night this Sunday as well. Six o'clock, uh, both locations. It's going to be amazing. See you all then. Take care. God bless. And talk to you later.